listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? Chip Munn, happy Friday to you, sir. Thank you. Uh, it is football season, man. Life is good. Weather here is getting a little cooler, and life's good, man. It's nice. The promise of fall is right around the corner. I, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but Friday, when I drive Turner to school, it's typically his day to pick out the music that we listen to on the way to school, but he picked something I didn't want to listen to today. So I said, forget that. We're just going to listen to a mix of 90s music because in the 90s, that's kind of where... I started listening to music more often than I guess in the eighties. So we put it on and one of the first songs that came on was ice cubes. Today was a good day. It's just uh, the day has gone that way ever since. And I even saw the lights of the Goodyear blimp and it read chip Munn's a pimp. Nice. I'll tell you, man, very few things I like more than nineties rap. Those were the good old days of rap music. I feel like my dad, now because you know I, I find my kids they're saying you should listen to this it's like i don't understand this music of these kids these days you know and i try i'm still young enough that i try to be cool but it's like you guys should really check out some snoop if you want some good stuff snoop biggie tupac so it's one of those things I think that our episode title that you gave me today is The Choice is Yours, which takes it even farther back, right, than some of that. Who's saying that, John? I don't know that you don't I know, know the answer to that question. I just, I just remember this I'd have to or look that, it up. This or that. This. <laughs> you can get with this or you can get with that. And today, John, we're getting with Zach Hearn. Zach is joining us from our Greenville office, going to touch on some new stuff or some additional things about long-term care. It's hard to switch from 90s rap to long-term care. That's a difficult transition you gave me there. But we've spent the last few weeks talking about it, so I feel like we're probably in a good place. We've talked about a lot of things that I think are really important. Just as a recap, we talked about the activities of daily living. Those are all those things from the time you wake up to the time you kind of head out the door to work, went through those. We also talked about some of the kinds of long-term care as well as paying for it. John, what are some of your highlights from the last couple of weeks? I think it was going through some of the statistics that talked about what people want when they think about care for themselves. And I think they usually want to be in their own home rather than in a facility. I think about the different options for paying for care. And I think we had a pretty good discussion about reimbursement versus indemnity and whether or not one might make more sense for some folks than another. And just the realization, the more we talk about long-term care, the more I come to the conclusion in my mind that you can make a few broad generalizations about how this is going to go. But at the end of the day, probably 85 or 90% of the choice is going to be specialized to each individual because everybody's a little bit different and they've all got different goals, different amounts of money saved up. It's just going to be different for everybody. 
those are the things that the more I talk about this kind of stuff, the more seems to ring true. You make a good point because I read an interview with Jeff Bezos, pretty smart guy, got a few dollars. He's not worried about long-term care because he'll be on Mars. But in the interview, they asked him what were the three things looking forward that he felt like was going to change that he'd build the business around. And in that, Bezos says, instead, I'm not worried about the things that are going to change. I prefer to build my business plans or my plans in general around the things that won't change. The customer's going to want things fast at a low price and high quality. And and those are things that aren't going to change. And I think there are a lot of things kind of in this realm that we know aren't going to change. And I think that's a good place to really be building the part of the plan or any, especially any generalizations that we're going to make ought to be around the things that that aren't going to change over time. So today, John, we're joined by our good friend, Zach Hearn. Zach's a wealth advisor in our signature wealth office in Greenville, South Carolina. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, John. Chip. Thanks for having me. So Zach, one of the things that we like to do is kind of talk about some of the different things that are myth busters. One of the things with financial advisors and one of the reasons that we're part of Signature Wealth is because we believe the collective wisdom is beneficial. So I'm glad to have you. Before we jump into some of the stuff that you brought to us today, tell us a little bit about you and about your background. Uh, Yeah, so I'm a South Carolina native, born and raised in Florence, which is uh, where our signature kind of had its birth a few years back. Came into the business green in that office with you guys and the team. And you guys have raised me in the business and taught me everything I know. You also spent a little time. I'm not going to take full credit for everything you know, because you did spend a little time with Tate up in our Newburn office. So, John, how was that to work with? He was good to work with. We would have loved to have had him in Newburn for the long haul, but the Greenville office is under his direction and care now, and, and I can't think of a better place for him to be. One of the things I learned about Zach is uh, that he does describe himself as something of a black sheep of the family, which coincidentally is also the name of the 90s rap group that penned the song, The Choice Is Yours, that you were referring to earlier. So one of the things that I always thought would work out well with the two of you was Zach's got a pretty strong suit game. And so for anybody who's been listening for a while, if you've never met John Tate, Election Day, July 4th, John has an entire red, white, and blue flag suit that he wears. He is incredibly patriotic. And so I am by far the worst dressed on today's show. Zach? When you think about long-term care, you're talking to clients. What are some of the things, maybe are some things that people think are true, but that aren't? Generally speaking, when I look at long-term care, I think it's kind of like bringing an extra pair of underwear on vacation. You don't need it till you need it, but you know, once you need it, you really need it. When you approach the idea of long-term care, I mean, that's a benefit for your health in the future. And there's a a negative stigma to it because it's kind of like life insurance. It's something you're only going to use if something bad happens to you. But as we know, failure to planning is is planning to fail. So it's, it's got its necessary part in everyone's plan. And depending on certain clients' makeup and assets and their goals, that can look wildly different. Uh, Unfortunately for us and Within our signature group and affiliation with Raymond James, we've got the ability to pull from a deep lineup of different products that can meet the needs for anybody at any life stage with any type of income. 
Yeah, and one of the things, John, that I found is that, you know, a lot of people think that they're covered. They feel like maybe Medicare is going to take care of this. So it's easy to misunderstand. Would you agree? I would agree. And the way I look at it is if you still think that Medicare pays for long-term care costs, then you have not even really started researching what care is, what it costs, and what is covered. I feel like that is probably the easiest myth to dispel just with a cursory Google search. You will easily find the answer that Medicare does not pay for long-term care costs, but you have to start somewhere. So if we can just easily dispel that myth right here and right now, we'll do it today and get that one off the books. But the closest one that I find next are people that use absolutes when they're talking about things and absolutes always or never. And you get people that come in and you introduce the topic of long-term care and long-term care costs and long-term care coverage into the conversation. And I think in their mind, they think that it is always better to age in place. And there are some surveys out there that will tell you that 75%, three out of every four Americans, 50 and older, want to stay in their own home as they age and have care come into the home. And for a lot of them, yes, there will be the ability to do that. But for some of those, that's an unrealistic goal because you've got some challenges when you're receiving care at home, you know, the care itself, the medications, the meals, getting around the home, going to the bathroom, getting in the shower, getting out of the shower. There may be some things you have to do to the home to make it a place where you can age in place. And then Oftentimes, you will also have a spouse or one of the two that has passed away, and isolation becomes an issue, not only psychologically, but physically, because there is no one else there in those hours where help is not there to provide assistance. And so having it in your mind that it's always going to be better to age in place is probably another misnomer that we want to dispel today and something that we want to kind of bust that myth. Yeah, Zach, any thoughts on that? No, I'd have to agree with him. I think, especially what he mentioned on, on talking in absolutes, it's easy for us as planners when we're working with clients to see everything in numbers because that is at the end of the day what we're working with. But we've got to be careful to always inject the emotional aspect back into the conversation. If you've never experienced having to help provide care for a loved one or had received care when you're in a health situation that you can't care for yourself, you don't really grasp how much of an emotional drain and strain that can have on someone. And I think, you know, one of the all-time great baseball players, Yogi Berra, put it best when he said, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. When it comes to our planning and the future costs that healthcare and just all these things that go into, you know, providing whether it's in-home care or, or in a nursing facility, I think that folks today are maybe a little out of touch with just how much those costs are increasing. It's not a topic that they like to think about a lot. Like I mentioned earlier, it's not something that you use unless something bad's happened to you. So naturally, we tend to put that in the back of our mind and, and just not think about it. I think that you're right. I want to touch on something, Zach, that you mentioned. John talked about the caregiver in a lot of cases and isolation, some of those things. But then you touched on not realizing necessarily the idea that everything's not a spreadsheet and that you have to take into consideration the emotional part of it. I'm curious. I think that some of us have had, and Zach, I think you're one of them, have had experience 
maybe on a shorter term, we think about long-term care, and that's a really long time. But there have been a lot of people who've had to, over the last couple of years, deal with quarantine and COVID and some of the things that have gone on there. And you recently had an experience where you've been having to be the caregiver. And I think that for a lot of people, it's easy to miss some of the impact on the caregiver. I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but what's it like, Zach, as a financial advisor, but also as a son who is, you know, trying to spend some time figuring out all the medical stuff for their parents while you still have other things. I think that would be interesting perspective for people. Yeah. So recently in the last couple of weeks, both of my parents were hospitalized with COVID. Fortunately, they're on the up and up and and coming out of that, you know, pretty strong. But for a while there, it was, you know, worrisome, you know, with the lockdowns and just different ways that things are done right now with COVID. I wasn't able to go see them in the hospital. So I'm trying to provide care from them remotely coordinate between, you know, what doctors there are caring for them, what, what treatment they're getting, what does their insurance cover when they get out of the hospital? Do I have some skilled in-home nursing care that can come and provide care for them? What's that going to cost? Who do I call? What does that fall under? Is it their health insurance? They have an outside policy. There's all these different aspects to it. And then when you pack on top of that, the emotional aspect that it's my parents, you see your parents are, you know, older figures in your life as your heroes are just people who always have the answers for everything. And then when you see those people in a state that they're depending on you to have all the answers, there's a very heavy emotional you know, aspect to that that I think most people don't account for. Yeah. And I think a big part of this discussion as it pertains to long-term care, and I appreciate you being willing to share that, Zach, because I've experienced it. My brother and I, when my dad was sick, is that it's heavy and that doesn't have anything to do with the financial part. And so when we look at long-term care and we're talking about insurance, sometimes it is a redundant coverage, but it is one less thing that in a lot of cases, the folks that we care about are having to worry about. And so by kind of an ounce of prevention can be worth a pound of cure. I think, John, one of the things that you mentioned was isolation and that's exactly how my dad ended up needing long-term care was that he lived by himself. His medications got switched up or he was just kind of stubborn and decided he didn't want to take that one anymore. And medically it landed him in a bad situation where it was kind of a bit of a downward spiral and nobody really knew because he didn't talk about it. You know, we weren't checking his medicine all the time. And so being by yourself can be difficult on top of that. John, I think a lot of people think that most of long-term care is actually done in a facility, but that's actually not true, is it? We just talked about how people want to age in place and want to stay in the home and how for some that might be realistic and some might not. But what happens is a lot of the care starts at home. And then as you get into it, you figure out that either this is going to work or it's not. The ones that will receive care in their home the longest are the ones that plan ahead. And that's what we try to get our clients to do. It's the planning ahead part. So if you know there are steps going into the front of your house, you might need to figure out how to get a ramp or in the garage or some kind of chairlift in the garage to help you get up so that you can continue to receive care as long as possible in the home if that's what you want. And then plan ahead for how many hours a week 
is a caregiver going to spend time in the home? And obviously that's going to change over time, but finding good help is a challenge. It's not something that you can just snap your fingers and have happen. And then of course, how you pay for somebody coming into the home for however many hours they're going to come in. That's the next big piece of it that we help people with. And so there might be some costs, widening doorways, entry and exit to the home, uh, figuring out how to get in and out of the shower safely. There's some things that you can spend on the home itself to make it a safer place to receive care. And then figuring out how to pay for the care longer term in the home is something that is certainly necessary and it takes some pre-planning. It's not as if you can just wake up one day and say, well, you know what? I'm having trouble doing this for myself. So I'm going to start calling around tomorrow and figuring out what to do and how to pay for it. That just doesn't work like that. No, and there are also some intermediate things I think that people can do above and beyond that maybe aren't as expensive um, as widening doorways and putting in ramps. And we had the benefit uh, to the extent that you can call it a benefit. My, my dad had all those things because he had multiple sclerosis. So a lot of his living space was compatible for being in that situation. But these days, there are a lot of technology things that people can take advantage of. And so if you're listening and maybe we're not thinking about your care right now, maybe we're thinking about your parents, things like some of the smart home technology, or there are mats that can track for stability, or if someone were to fall, there are a lot of things these days that you can kind of connect to the internet of things and use them well. Even things like Uber Eats or DoorDash, you know, back in the day, you'd have to take meals. You know, you can only eat so much Domino's if you're trying to get food. I lived in a small town. That was the only delivery we had. So if you wanted delivery, it was Domino's, chicken poppers, or pizza. So you, you can't look at me and tell that that's true, but it is. And so it's one of those things that there are a lot of services, TaskRabbit, in certain places. There are lots of apps these days where folks can get stuff done or delivered that Again, it seems overly simplistic, but maybe in some cases, for some folks who might be in a place getting closer to needing care, maybe those aren't things they're overly familiar with. So that's a, an area where a little bit of time spent, I think, could be well invested. John, one of the things that we talk about, and Zach, actually, I, I may throw it over to you. I don't know how your experience was recently. But one of the hardest parts is dealing with a parent who is ill and dealing with their loss of autonomy. They're used to handling things for themselves or making their own decisions. That can be tough. And so do you have any experience over the last few weeks or with clients about kind of how that factors into some of these things? Yeah, from personal experience with my parents over the last few weeks. Yeah, I touched on it earlier, but especially with a parent, you spent your whole life or the early part of your life where they provided care for you. So when you're in a role where now they're dependent on you providing care for them, for me, this is the first time that I've experienced that with my parents. And I would say to that, the best thing that you can do is to be proactive and put a plan in place, you know, like some form of insurance or, or some way to proactively plan for these events. And a lot of times it's difficult to plan for them, but I would call the hospital every day talking to nurses and doctors because my parents were sick and couldn't talk on the phone. They were isolated in separate rooms because of COVID. They had to quarantine. So for 14 days now, they've been completely separated from any family, from each other. And I even so much as offered to donate $10,000 to the hospital if they would just get them in a room together 
while they're going through this process. And this was not something that I saw happening to them right now at this phase in life. So I, I didn't have a, a proactive plan in place. But when you are in that position and there is no plan in place, you would do just about anything, offer up just about any amount of money to provide the care for the people that you love. And so if you know that at some point you would take those actions, why not do it proactively at a, a better cost savings to you? Parenting your parent is a tough thing. And there are many books written on this subject because it is a more and more common experience in that people are beginning to age and we're taking care of our parents in one way or another. And these books often imply control or dominance. And one of the things that people get fearful of, the greatest fear in old age is loss of autonomy, as you said. And an innate human response to fear is often rudeness. <laughs> you know, people begin to get snarky and rude because they are fearful of something. And usually that fear is loss of autonomy, but it could be perhaps they're in the early stages of dementia and they can kind of feel things slipping away in some cases and they'll act out and do things that is tough for us to handle and have a response to that is not also snarky or rude or sarcastic. And so, Figuring out a way to be a partner with your parent in trying to figure out some of these problems that they might encounter as they get older is likely a better way to do things long term. And when I say better, I also mean more difficult because it's going to be more difficult to figure out a way to work with them towards a common goal if that's possible. But that can sometimes make it easier for them to transition into the type of situation where they are going to have less autonomy to make decisions on their own over time. And the way to help them overcome that fear of loss of control, that's one of the goals that we should or probably do have as children who are potentially taking over and caring for a parent. I think you're right. When it's your parent's problem, it's your problem. And I think, Zach, you were able to touch on that in a real personal way. And it's one of those things that I think and advise clients that we're well served to be aware of. Again, whether you're the parent or the child in this case, that care for a loved one is a family issue because whether it's financial or non-financial, the need for care for somebody that we love it goes up and down the family tree and, and it impacts everybody. And so in a lot of cases, my best advice is to identify what the problem is that we're trying to solve and then to utilize the collective resources, both financially and non-financially. My brother did a lot of the talking to my dad because my dad and I were very similar. So he was able to better communicate with my dad than I was. And that's an example of a non-financial way of using the collective resources of the family towards a common goal. It's, sometimes it's having the right person have the conversation that needs to be had. You made an interesting point, Zach, that if somebody we love needs care, we might spend our last dollar trying to get them what they need. Would I be better off to try to help prepay for that now as part of my planning? Because again, money's only good if you can use it. 
And if you're in that caregiver role and wear yourself out, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good as far as I'm concerned to have a huge nest egg and wear yourself out. There's a lot to be said for, again, kind of looking at it in a broader sense to say, how can we collectively solve this problem? Because again, if somebody you love gets sick and you're the one taking care of them, it is now your problem. I do. I do. That resonates. And all we're trying to do is figure out, take in all the information that we can possibly take in about the situation and then provide some options for people to potentially solve the problem. And they're going to hopefully come up with a solution that involves one of those options. And then we help them towards achieving that goal. And some of the uncommon client solutions that we might find might have to do with using an old annuity that's sitting out there doing nothing like we talked about one of the previous shows or coming up with a hybrid solution with long-term care and life insurance in a combination. There are lots of different things that we can help clients do when it comes to figuring out how to pay for a problem that might arise. And obviously the longer that we have to plan for it, the better and the more options we'll have available to us in the beginning. The longer you wait, the fewer options you have. And no one likes, as we just talked about, no one likes being told what to do. They'd rather feel like they have made a choice and are now going to choose to do something rather than being told what to do. So I don't know if, if either one of you have any uncommon solutions or, or common client questions that you run into that you feel like you have a good answer for or one that helps a client have kind of one of those light bulb moments. But if you do, now's the time to talk about it. I would say when it comes to planning for clients, there, there's so many uncertainties that we plan for. Who knows if the market will be up or down today? There's so many different elements to that. But one thing that we do know is aging is the only way to live a long life. And two things that we always say that are certain in life is death and taxes. So if we know one of the certainties that we can plan for is that you will age and no matter how healthy you are, eventually health will decline. It only makes sense that, that we include that as a, a key part of our planning. One of the most common questions that I get or pushback when it comes to long-term care is just the expense of it. And then, you know, discussing family history, my mom or dad didn't need long-term care, didn't go into a home. So they would use that family history to say, well, I probably won't need it either. And then just kind of push it to the wayside. So one of my favorite, I guess, general products to use is a life insurance with a long-term care benefit. You know, typically depending on the age and, and different variables, you can get that type of policy cheaper. It's more focused to the life insurance side of it, but there is that long-term care benefit there. Accessing that for an illness rider or any type of chronic illness, any emergency type things that come up, a lot of times can allow you access to those funds a lot more easily than if it was a traditional long-term care policy or if you were dependent on Medicare to provide long-term care, because there's so many qualifying stages that you have to pass through. You have to be hospitalized. There's a waiting period. You know, you have to have doctor's order for long-term care. So many different hoops to jump through. So what I like to try to do is find what is the cheapest product that can meet your goal and get you the benefit in the easiest way. And for me, in my experience and in my practice, the life insurance with a long-term care benefit accomplishes most of those things. I would tend to agree. I think that, Zach, you hit on probably the most important thing, which is if we understand the need that we're trying to solve for, 
there are a lot of tools and our goal becomes to get the benefit that we need with the least amount of discomfort and expense as possible. Zach, any final thoughts? I would just say to anyone listening right now who's never maybe been in a situation to receive care or provide care, I think there's generally four types of people. There's someone who has been a caregiver, someone who's currently a caregiver, someone who will be a caregiver, or someone who will one day need a caregiver. Whether you're meeting with us or it's you know someone that's working with another financial advisor, try to put those glasses on and view your planning strategy through that perspective and really just inject that emotional and human element to what if this happened and approach it from that perspective. I think that's great. Tate, how about you? I couldn't say it better than that. Always trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and try to figure out where they're coming from, what they're looking at, what kinds of decisions they're trying to make, where they're having the toughest time. That's basically our job. And the good thing about being part of Signature Wealth is that if we haven't personally experienced it before, there's somebody else in this company that has and more than once. And so there's plenty of experience to gain by talking to some of our other advisors. And so that's what we do. And that's why we feel like we're better together. For sure. And I think that folks can hear the empathy in our voice and the fact that in various forms or fashions, each of us has been in a situation that required some of this personally. And I think that if you're listening, you know, the first part is just being understood and thinking through these things. And so I encourage you reach out to any of the three of us or any of our signature wealth advisors. Uh, as John said, we definitely believe that we're better together and want to make sure that you have somebody that you can talk to who can empathize and walk with you down that road to make good choices. So if you find yourself thinking about or in that situation, don't hesitate to reach out to any of us. Zach, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. John, I will see you next week, brother. Yeah. And I'd be remiss to say, or at least ask the question, you know, you figure out your 90s hip hop name by putting the word Lil in front of the last thing you ate. So what would your hip hop name be, Chip? Lil Crumpet. Lil Crumpet. Nice. Zach, you got one? Uh, Lil Nacho. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I had tater tots as part of dinner last night, so I would be Lil Tot. So there you go. Just in case anybody's listening, that you now have something to call us the next time you come see us. Well, and for what it's worth, now I have to point out the fact that I watched a TV show last night that enlightened me to the fact that an English muffin is what a crumpet is, that they are the same thing. So all this time, Trish and I have been eating crumpets for breakfast and didn't even know. So I feel very worldly now. And John will take that into next week, man. Talk to you next week. Little tot. <laughs> See you next week. Here we have it, another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security. It's all in there. 
go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to signaturewealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.